Welcome to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, or perhaps on one of our greatly appreciated radio syndicates across the country, or perhaps you found us on the podcast, which can be found anywhere podcasts can be found. Links to everything can be found at greenmajority.ca. My name is Stephen Hostetter, and we are Canada's longest-running environmental news hour. We are super excited for a special episode to talk about a very exciting launch of a new mural up in Oshawa. And we're joined by a whole panel of people. I want to say this is at least the biggest group of people we've had on the show at one time in years. There's a few imaginings I can remember when we really packed the studio back when we were allowed to be in space. But I definitely think that the six people at the same time at one in one conversation is, is a pretty big number for us. So welcome, everyone. And my first question is going to be the easiest one, I think, out of all of them, which is if you can just give yourself and give our listeners an introduction to yourselves and how you relate to this project. And maybe we start with you, Andre. Hi, Stephen. Uh, thank you for having us. Uh, my name is Andre Forsyth. I'm the founder of the School for Climate and of this project and also the founder of Canadian Climate Challenge. Hi, my name is Kate. I am the Director of Partnerships and Youth Engagement with the School for Climate. And I also volunteer with Canadian Climate Challenge with Andre. My name is Rebecca Keach. I am a auto worker at GM and an organizer with Green Jobs Oshawa. Uh, my name is Derek Richard. I'm with the Canadian Union of Postal Workers. I'm the Ontario Region Campaign Coordinator for the Delivering Community Power Campaign. My name is Bruce Wilson. I'm the board chair for the not-for-profit Iron and Earth and also the GM and founder of uh, a startup company Thora Hydrogen. My name is Robin Tress. I'm from the Council of Canadians. We're an extremely big fan of Green Jobs Oshawa, and we've been working together for a little while through a project that we have going called Green New Deal Communities, where we're trying to directly support local campaigns working for Green New Deal type change, and then link local campaigns together so we can design a Green New Deal from the ground up together. Amazing. So... I sort of feel like we're playing a bit of a mystery game where we now have our listeners know who is all involved, but have, don't know what we're talking about. And so if any listener can take a guess as to what might bring these six people in, stop the show right now and send us a tweet and then you'll win prizes. But to for everybody else, Andre and Kate, perhaps you can give us a quick sense of what this project actually is. Yeah, I, I would love to, although I'm going to, I'm sad that I'm not going to get one of those prizes. This project is a climate mural campaign. That's the shortest way to describe it. And it was really founded as a response to Seth Klein's call out in his book, A Good War, where he highlights the role of propaganda and the role that that played in World War II to mobilize Canadians. So we figured, okay, we aren't a government agency. How can we engage artists in a way that also mobilizes communities and industries in the way that that, that did? And so that's how we launched the mural campaign. We felt like the ability to have art within a community uh, and representing an industry is a way to connect with folks that may not normally be connected with through terrible media coverage. And for folks who didn't want to read another terrible climate article in the dark in their basement crying. And so we're really putting an aspirational vision out there for what the future holds and kind of the role that different communities and industries can play in, in mobilizing for it. So because this is art-based and unfortunately weren't able to be joined by the artists, I wonder if you can give us a background on, on who actually made the mural. So the fabulous and talented Bruno Smokey made the mural with the assistance of the local Oshawa talent, Chad Tyson, from the Signs of Life Mural Project. 
Bruno grew up in Brazil and has now immigrated here. And he's the one who kind of made our dream into a reality with the giant wall. But it was a pleasure working with both of them. And they're some of the sweetest people I've ever met. And so it's really, really fun and exciting. Awesome. And so you had your mural unveiling on Monday. And so I believe if folks go to your website, they can see the mural itself right now. So go check it out so you can get a sense of what we're talking about while we're doing this. But for everybody else on the call, and starting with you, Rebecca, I'm curious, what brought you into this project? Why did you want to be a part of this project? And what do you find inspiring about it? Andre contacted Green Jobs Oshawa and threw out the idea of doing a climate justice themed mural on just transitions and basing it off of some of our campaign. And it really captured the imagination of our organization. We were super excited about the idea of bringing something meaningful to the community and really doing something unique. Like this is, it's just such a uh, interesting and unique concept and idea. So it's been super exciting to be part of it. And when we found out who the artist was and saw his talent, it was just a a no-brainer that this is something we absolutely wanted to do and had to do. And once we got on board with it, we thought, you know, this is such an exciting opportunity and we've drawn a lot of inspiration from the Canadian Union of Postal Workers, their campaign delivering community power. And so we wanted to make sure to see if they would come and join us in this opportunity. And so before we go to you, Derek, I'm wondering, Becca, if you can just tell us a little bit more about exactly what Green Jobs Oshawa does. So Green Jobs Oshawa is a group of workers, community members, academics, and activists that came together after the announced closure of the GM plant. We recognized that in the face of a climate crisis and a community facing massive disruption, that we needed to come up with bold ideas that didn't just involve begging the corporation to stay. So we wanted to see the plant used for socially beneficial production. And one of the ideas that we came up with was electric fleet vehicles. It's a good fit as they've been building cars there for over a hundred years now. And I mean, socially beneficial production though doesn't have to be limited to just electrification of vehicles. You know, when COVID hit and we ran out of masks and medical supplies, we pushed to have masks made at the GM plant and they did end up producing 10 million surgical masks. So it's a type of use of productive capacity that we don't want to lose, but we really have a focus on it being for socially beneficial production for people and not just profit for corporations. Awesome. That's very helpful. Thank you. So to you, Derek, from your perspective of delivering community power and the postal workers, what made you want to be part of this project? Well, first of all, I ought to thank Rebecca and Green Jobs Asha for reaching out to us to uh, do a presentation on this project. The minute I, I heard this project, uh, light bulb off went up in my head that we have to join this and, and we have to be included in this. The, the Delivering Community Power campaign is always looking for ways that we can bring awareness to a just transition and our campaign of Delivering Community Power. And the main part of of Delivering Community Power is community. And this mural speaks of community. So it was a clear decision for us that we wanted to be a part of that. Amazing. Same question to you, Bruce, from Iron Earth's perspective. What spoke to you about this project? Well, I was delighted when Andre contacted me to be a part of this discussion. I've made the comment before that when asked frequently, what is a green job? And... uh, my response has basically been that a green job can be anything that mobilizes you in a way and, and, and in which you are aware of, of your impact on planet, your, your own personal footprint. And so if that's making great art, 
or if it's singing or if it's dancing or, or whatever that is, it's really important. And the importance of it is that it brings us together, that it reminds us of our humanity. It reminds us of our, our worth and our duty and obligations to the, to the planet. As, as Derek said, it's about community. It brings us together and it mobilizes us in common purpose. So many people think that the transition is, is all about technology and industry and so forth, but it's not. It's, it's across the board. It's bringing everyone together and helping people understand that, that whatever it is that they choose to do, they have agency and that they can participate in this. So, you know, giving my time to, to Iron and Earth, the purpose of which is to mobilize fossil fuel workers in this great transition because of the wonderful skills that they have built and honed and the, you know, the pride that they have and focus that on the difficult problems of climate change. This kind of project really awakens people and says, we need to do this together. We need to unite and mobilize, come together and be inspired and be optimistic. We see every day, I'm, I'm sitting here in British Columbia, looking out at the ash laden skies and it's easy to be somewhat down and depressed, but we need to rise up and, and mobilize together. And artwork like this does it. It speaks to everyone. Yeah, I think that's so true. You, you can't help but see it. If you drive past this giant mural, and it is a huge mural, you can't help but get a sense of it. And we'll, we'll come back to you shortly because we recently, actually two weeks ago on the show, featured Iron Earth's reporting about how much fossil fuel workers actually see themselves as potential, you know, that they want to just transition and they see themselves as possible to be a part of it. And so we'll get to that in a, in a second. But last but not least, Robin, friend of the show, I think you were on like three weeks ago. Welcome back. And why did you all get involved in this project? Yeah, well, we, we've been uh, supporting what Green Jobs Oshawa is doing for a while now, including this mural, but other stuff before that too. And I think that what these fine folks are presenting is just like a, it's a really inspiring vision for a transformed future. Like we're all talking about a Green New Deal and a just transition. And to me, that means taking what we have today and turning it into a radically different way of sustaining our communities. And I think that's exactly what Green Jobs Oshawa is doing. They're taking the assets and the experience that they do have in Oshawa and reimagining what that can look like for a future that's safer for the climate and better for the community. And I think in terms of this mural, you know, we're talking about a transformed future. And a lot of the time that means like facts and figures and reports and numbers and stuff. And so I think art, generally speaking, helps us see and feel what that transformation can really be. And so I was just so excited when this opportunity came up for the mural. Yeah, we've featured Andre and the work of Canadian Club Challenge on the, on the show previously. And each time that it comes up, that importance of art. And so anyone who has done projects at all, I was going to say art projects, but I think really almost any significantly large project of different natures understands that, you know, the final product is, is a culmination effort. There's so much that goes into it that, that you don't get seen that you don't experience. And you've now done three climate murals. And, uh, and more to come. And so I'm curious to Kate and to Andre from Canadian Climate Challenge, how was this experience? What did you learn from this one or the other two? And how you're sort of bringing that knowledge forward for the, the future climate murals? Okay, I guess I'll go first, although I'm very excited to hear Kate's perspective as well. But in the word, it's emotional, for sure, but also beautiful, uh, really challenging. I think even just from a, from the standpoint of, I mean, if you hear Rebecca's description of what is involved in a just transition, to represent those concepts as an artist in a mural and to translate it in a way 
that resonates with a variety of audiences is not an easy task. And so we are so happy that Bruno and, and Chad joined us and took on and challenged themselves to uh, to kind of rise to that occasion. But that's something that is, it's really, really interesting. Um, really, it, it takes time, to be honest, because you're, we're asking folks to come into, artists to come into a space that's not their normal subject matter. Uh, so there's a lot of learning there. And then also with climate organizations, coming in um, and engaging in our project, there's a lot of learning to that process there. And there's a lot of trust that needs to be established. And there's, there's disagreements, there's misunderstandings, there's miscommunications. And you're doing all of this in a very short process where this incredible bond actually ends up getting formed. Because at the end of the day, you all get onto the same page and your vision is realized and there's this intense kind of connection that you, is formed with one another. And then it ends. Um, and and that, that, I think that part is something that we, now that we're on our third one, is becoming, I think, more difficult for us. Where, whereas we're building efficiency throughout the rest, creating these intensely personal experiences with one another, having to trust each other, having to learn from each other, and then having to kind of leave each other to move on to other projects is really difficult. And I, I know we, we plan to do a, a lot more engagements, but that real creative process is something that I, I really underestimated uh, at how galvanizing and how emotional that would be. And not just because it's a fun thing to do, but because of the challenges in there, I, I think also really brought us together as a team. And let's not forget the weather component. But yeah, Kate, I'd love to hear what you think. So I agree with everything that you said. It's definitely emotional dealing dealing with new people and then getting super attached to them for like a week or two weeks and then having to leave them. It, it's kind of unfortunate, but it's such a good feeling in the end. And for me personally, the experience from, from the start of this to the end was amazing. No other words to describe it. I didn't hate one moment. I remember back in March, we were working on like outlines and brainstorms and we were up until like one or two in the morning trying to figure out like, how are we going to get this just transition messaging into an image and have the artists understand meanwhile getting everything the partners want into one image on a wall it was just like so hair pulling it was hair pulling frustrating but there was on July 18th uh, I was looking at the final product and it was absolutely amazing it was colorful it had everything we wanted it screamed just transition but it also screamed what we need to do for the next steps in the future and what needs to happen in order to get a full or partial just transition. And so I have to admit that just standing there in that moment, looking at this beautiful wall, it's one of the best moments and feelings that I get. And that's why I, I continue to work with Andre and School for Climate and Canadian Climate Challenge, because it's one of those feelings that you, you can't buy and you can't get anywhere else. So it's like a really satisfaction but like good mushy feeling. So yeah, it's exciting. And I'm so excited to do way more. Awesome. Thank you so much. And so now we'll head to a music break. And when we return, we'll dive into the drive behind this mural, a just transition for all.
I feel like we now have a good sense of the project. And so I want to dive into what I understand to be the heart of this project and of the work you're doing, which is a just transition. The term is certainly not new, but we are in a moment where I believe the discussion around what it means and what it will and should look like are about to go mainstream. You know, last week on this show, we covered Iron and Earth's excellent study that showed that 90% of workers surveyed believe that they could transition to a net zero technology within a year or less of training. And 85% of these fossil fuel workers said that they would participate in paid training course of 10 days or less, and 60% of workers were already worrying that they could be left behind by a transition if they were not supported. And so... Whether or not the country's politicians are ready for it, it's clear that this is a conversation that has already arrived at the dinner tables of fossil fuel workers. And speaking of politicians, on the 20th of July, the federal government launched an engagement process asking Canadians how the government of Canada can ensure a just and equitable transition to a low-carbon future for workers and communities. And now, this legislation is late, it was promised years ago, and this engagement process will almost certainly be disrupted by the soon-to-be-called election, but what it shows is that this conversation is here to stay. And so this question is for our whole panel, you know, starting with you, Andre, but what does a just transition mean to you, and why is it important? So that's a great question, and I think I love... Uh, I know you mentioned there's six of us on the call here today, and I love that we can each offer our own kind of individual perspective. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a personal approach. From a personal perspective, we've been organizing in the climate space for a while now, and you tend to see the same folks there a lot of the time because a lot of the other climate-related topics, many folks outside of the quote-unquote climate community don't see themselves as relating to it. And I think just transition does an excellent job of going beyond those barriers. And as a person of color, those are one of the barriers that we're used to kind of being left out of. And I think a just transition does a very good job of allowing folks to see themselves, um, not just in the personal role that they can play, but also in the community role and in their industry, uh, where all people often have the most impact. And more often than not, where the, the conversation is focused on what personally can you do in your home? So I think just transition does a lot of that. And I, I think I saw that most I've been working in climate for years, and my family has had variable rates of interest in what I'm doing, to put it nicely. But the second that we started talking about what was going on with GM, what needed to change for them to transition into a sustainable future, and what roles they can play, all of a sudden they all came to life. And it really resonated with them on a personal level. So I know for me, that's personally why I feel a just transition is, is important. And for me, I have the ability to relate to a younger generation. And so not knowing what a just transition is before and learning about what it is and how important it can be, I realized that essentially it's, it's our future. It's like it's calling on all of us to work together in order to achieve a just transition. And if we don't, it's going to be a very different future outcome. But it's, it's calling on my generation to start pushing a little bit more harder to achieve what's involved in a just transition. And I know for me personally, it's super important because it's the future of people, communities, and industries, and we need to do something about it. That makes sense. Uh, and Rebecca? 
So just transition is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, but what does it really mean? So to Green Jobs Oshawa, a real just transition has to be a lot more than just retraining. It is about the transformation of how we live, work, and travel. And it means social justice, economic justice, and environmental justice, which leaves no community or worker behind as we move to a sustainable future. No, we don't just want to survive the climate crisis. We want our communities to thrive. And a thriving community supports the development of everyone's full creative, intellectual, and physical potential. So part of that has to involve working collectively and reinvesting in communities, which includes fighting privatization of public services and ending the harm caused by unequal distribution of resources. We believe that we have to have a very serious conversation and talk about how outcomes for workers, communities, and the planet are directly connected to the way that we make decisions on how we produce things, what we produce, and why we produce it. So we believe a different approach to production would create justice for workers, communities, and the planet. And we think that we need to end and convert exploitative production practices to socially beneficial ones. So this, this is what a just transition means to us. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, Derek? Uh, personally, a just transition means to me, and I'm not, I'm not going to just repeat all, all, everything the uh, previous speaker said, you know, they've pretty much read my mind already. I'm going to focus on what a just transition means to postal workers. Our postal workers are out every single day delivering mail in extreme heat, extreme cold, forest fires, ice storms, and we're breathing in CO2 emissions every single day. So the health and safety of our letter carriers that are out every single day is really important for a just transition for the Canadian Union of Postal Workers. Thanks for that, Derek. I, I think it's so important that we take this down to the level of people and, and, and really what it means to the individual. I mean, I, I kind of like to call this the, the net zero and just transition to a well-being economy. Uh, might not fit on a t-shirt, but it really is all of these things. It's, it's, it's the sense that we have a system at the moment we, we need to urgently address climate change and it's very clear also that in addition to mitigation, there's an element of adaptation that we need to make. We need to understand what, uh, how, to, how to make our, uh, our habitats more resilient. But the important thing as we change uh, to a new economic system based on zero emissions energy and everything in that ecosystem is that we should not lock in the inequalities that exist presently, and there are so many. And, and so that needs us to open up the system, look at the mechanisms, listen to people, ordinary people, and build this as much from the ground up as, as, as drive it from the, the top down. It's not a question of the government inviting people to, quote, have their say, but a real uh, period of listening and understanding what the implications of this are and understanding what a well-being economy means and how we shape the next economy going forward to be inclusive and better for absolutely everybody and if, if it means infrastructure how do people participate in that infrastructure too so it, it really is not simply a question of, of creating a mechanism of change but understanding and, and forecasting what the what the implications of that are it, it is super complicated and we need to start it now for sure and robin just before i get to you bruce because we have you here and because you did just finish this 
deep set of listening to fossil fuel workers in regards to what a just transition could look like. I wonder if you can dive in a little bit to what stood out to you from that report that you just released. Well, it kind of stood out the way a mural stood out. You know, when you, when you see the, that, that image of the mural, it's like, boy, this is now. That's what the mural says. And that's what our survey said. This is now there is an awakening to the realities of what is happening. It's particularly important in Canada where we might look at climate change as something that's happening elsewhere. You know, it's overseas, it's not gonna hit us. Uh, this is a borderless crisis and we owe it to our brothers and sisters in other places that are more, where they are more vulnerable to, to pay attention. And I think the recent heat waves around the country beginning to make us pay attention. And what the survey says is that a lot of workers are getting it that they're really understanding that the time to change is now, that this is a crisis, that we need to respond to it. And there's possibly also an awakening that says, and you know what, I I have the skills to participate in this. I, I need some training to really understand how it is that my specific skills can be retuned to apply in a new context, but I can participate. I'm optimistic about that. I maybe have children and I want to ensure the future for them. So When you see such a sea change in the sentiment in oil and gas workers and you understand the capabilities that they have, if we could marshal that, mobilize that and apply it to the the very wicked problems that we have related to climate change, then this feels like a general mobilization and a push up to that uh, front that Seth Klein talks about in his book, The Good War. Amazing. Thank you so much. Could not pass up the opportunity given your expertise on the panel. But to you, Robin, what does a just transition mean to you and why is it important? I mean, I think everyone else has kind of hit the nail on the head. So maybe I'll make one specific addition, which is like everyone talks about a just transition as if it's a shift away from fossil fuels and towards more sustainable, low emitting energy sources in a way that doesn't leave anybody behind. And I think what we can talk about in that if we unpack, no one get, gets left behind. People are currently being left behind because of a few really unjust systems like capitalism, racism, and colonization. And so I think when we're talking about a just transition and moving away from those systems, like we can remember that the climate crisis is rooted in all three of those things, capitalism, racism, and colonization. And so in order to address the climate crisis, at the surface, sometimes it appears like a scientific problem, a, you know, a technological problem, but it's really a deeply rooted social issue. And so there's really no option for us in really making strides and moving away from the climate crisis and actually addressing it in an effective way. We have to consider also addressing the fact that our entire economy globally is organized under capitalist ideas. So we need to really talk about who has power, who has economic power, who gets to make economic decisions. And are we going to prioritize profit? I sure hope not, because I think that's a real barrier to making progress. And then we really need to talk about racism and colonization, about like who gets to be included in our society, who gets to be taken care of. I think the right answer is everybody deserves to be taken care of and we need to address the historical harms that have happened because of those injustices. And so, yeah, for me, a just transition kind of brings all those ideas together that recognizes that we can't actually address the climate crisis in an effective way without also taking care of all the people that have been harmed by the systems that have left us where we are now. That's very eloquent. Thank you. And I think All of you have made this pretty clear. The fact that just transition is not a small nibbling at edges. It is a deep change to our society in many ways, and especially in terms of who we help, how we help, and and what that looks like. And I think that's what partially what makes the fact that this is being done in Oshawa so interesting, because obviously, you know, Oshawa was known as a car town. It was known as a place that was building these types of things. And 
the fact that it is the place for this mural and the fact that it's the place for this conversation, I think really does help underscore what really a deep transition would actually look like. And so when we return from the music break, we'll dive into the town itself. What makes Oshawa the perfect home for this mural and a great launch pad for a Canada-wide just transition? And then from there, we'll dive even further into visions for the future. Stay with us. Just before the music break, we'd begun to discuss the unique position and opportunity that rests in the city of Oshawa. And so to you, Rebecca, Derek, and Bruce, what is it about Oshawa that makes it uniquely positioned for this mural and to become the center or a center of a just transition? Oshawa is an amazing city, and it is rooted in manufacturing. It's been built on building things. And we have been faced with a lot of change and disruption over the last few years, and we're working on keeping our feet. Oshawa has been rooted in struggle, and the success of the city has been because of community coming together and fighting to make the changes that need to happen. And when we look at what the climate crisis is bringing us, the double-headed monster of the climate crisis and rising inequality, it makes Oshawa particularly well-suited to take it on because we can overcome these types of things and we can pull together to do it. So we have a large manufacturing base. There's so much opportunity for conversion to socially beneficial production. We have an amazing university and uh, college here in the city as well, which we can envision being a hub for sustainable technology. And it's a, it's a city that needs hope and that can provide hope to the rest of the province and the country. Beautiful. Thank you. And so to you, Derek, same question. And also maybe if you want to expand on how postal workers can be a part of this, uh, that'd be wonderful. I just found that the, the news when, when GM plant announced its closing, it was devastating news for the city of Oshawa. What makes Oshawa very unique is it has a very rich history of labor and manufacturing. And as Rebecca said, Oshawa is more than capable of being the hub of the manufacturing of electric vehicles moving forward. And the Canadian Union of Postal Workers campaign, Delivering Community Power, really promotes electric vehicle sales through corporations and private vehicle sales. And we think this boost of manufacturing ahead would lead Oshawa in the right path to being, again, the hub of, of these electric vehicles produced. Amazing. Thank you. And so to you, Bruce, and I, I'll ask you to both answer this question and then dive into the next question that, to make it a little more complicated for you which is about envisioning the future. So we'll start first with how you sort of see Oshawa. And then if you can expand me from Oshawa to Canada and, and the world, sort of how you see the future going. But first, why Oshawa? It's the same answer. It, it really is. Rebecca made that point about providing hope. 
and not just providing hope within Oshawa, but providing hope on a on a larger scale. And I'm I'm in love with the idea of of lighthouse projects, you know, as beacons, as ways of communicating broadly to people the sense of possibility. People no longer respond to talk. Why? Well, we've had so much talk, we've had so many promises, we need action. This speaks of action. It speaks of the sense of the possibility, which is to transform, you know, and to transform in a way that people, and it's been mentioned already, people can thrive and, and, and look forward into durable jobs, you know, no more this sort of boom bust cycle of the oil and gas industry, no more uncertainty. Of course, the way is going to be hard, but this sense that we're all working towards a future that is durable. And so people want to see that the, the evidence of change and people, whether across Canada and the world, they, they want the same thing. They want to care for the families. They want to care for the communities. They, they want this sense of, you know, have a good job to provide. And when they see a test case like Oshawa, I think there's this real sense of, of possibility and of wanting that for your own community. There are other communities that can be named Coronach and Saskatchewan, which is, you know, based on almost exclusively on coal extraction. And I read commentators saying, well, what's for them? Is there anything for them? And my, my answer is absolutely. There are so many possibilities because you've got to parse things and open things up and look at the skills that, that individuals have. They are not defined by the career. They're defined by the, the skills and their, their sense of endeavor and so forth. So, when you you bring things down to that level of granularity, you really see the possibility that is there. I mean, I, I think the potential for the future is is very positive. And, and, you know, I have talked to high school students and, you know, with that express purpose of spreading optimism, here's kind of careers that you can participate in. It's, it's why I started my little hydrogen startup, because I see the, the, the wonderful analogs between the skills that exist in the oil and gas industry and how you make green hydrogen, which has that advantage of being ubiquitous, something that you know can be distributed all over the globe. So I, I see the future as reapplying your skills, looking very optimistically at what we can do, looking to examples like Oshawa to give us inspiration, motivation, and applying that in, in our own backyard. It, it is scalable on a global scale, and we just need to get that message out. Amazing. And so same question to everybody else. This project strikes me as really about envisioning the future. And so I'm curious how you see a carbon-free future and what does it look like to you? starting with you, Andre? Well, I hope it reflects the art that we're putting up, to be honest. That's the whole purpose of, of it going up there. But it's definitely a future that's healthier, that puts people's well-being first. I think it's one where, where we feel hope and we're inspired. I think that's one of the challenges that we face here is that I think for the past has caused us to really have blinders on. And due to all of the structural barriers um, that that Robin mentioned about capitalism, racism, all of these things, I think have really narrowed our level of what to expect from the future, what's possible. So I think for me, uh, carbon-free future is where we throw out those kind of limitations and, and start to see what is really possible, that we can live with a strengthened social safety net. So we don't feel so precarious and so afraid in the workplace that we are co-creating with folks of different ethnicities, with indigenous folks and bringing together these perspectives and, and creating something that is way more beautiful than we currently have. I don't think there's many people who you can go to who don't realize the limitations of our current lives, but we've just been used to 
saying, okay, this is as much, we're lucky to have what we have now. And I think given the structures that we live within, maybe that's the case, but it's now the time where we can go beyond that. And that's what we're really excited to um, to bring about a, a future that's more resilient and we're able to prevent future crises. And part of the reason why this is the specific mural that we're doing, the Just Transition, is that a lot of that is rooted in the role of workers. I think many people think, okay, well, tech alone is just going to save us in this huge technological future. But none of that happens if we don't centralize workers in in this transition and reimagining and and having that appreciation, like we've seen through COVID and with industries that maybe we didn't have as much appreciation for, really appreciating the value of of each other. I agree with Andre, so I'm just going to let Rebecca take it away. So when I'm envisioning the future, to me, it's about beauty and hope and respect. Oshawa's has a lot of beautiful spaces. We're right on the lake. We have a lot of green spaces. We have a thriving music scene, a thriving arts community. And when I think about what the future could be, it's more of that. It's more opportunity for community. And we get that through respect. And that is respect for ourselves and ourselves as workers and respect for our planet. If we had respect for our planet, if we showed respect to our environment, we wouldn't be in the situation that we're facing right now. So really, you know, when we're, when we're looking at the future, it has to be about imagining things differently. It's about imagining, you know, what, what do we really want and not being afraid to think big and to go after it. Like to imagine a world where our seniors in long-term care are living in dignity instead of dying in horrible conditions or where people with mental health problems can get the help that they need and not face deplorable conditions. It is about investing in our communities in different ways of mobility and transportation. It involves an investment in public transportation free public transportation, because we can't keep going with everybody driving individual cars, even if it's electrified or we're finding other ways of reducing emissions. We just can't keep going like that. We have to transform how we view the world that we live in and what we want to have happen to it. And instead of buying into the narrative that we're constantly fed about everything being for profit, everybody being individuals, we really need to envision a future where we're working collectively together for the benefit of all of us, because that's how we can really make change and have have a place that that we all thrive in. I think for me, I'm going to say the mural opens up a, a conversation to the community to strive for a zero emission free um, world in the future. This transition as well, it leads to, you know, good paying manufacturing jobs, and the retraining of, of workers for those manufacturing jobs. Thanks so much, Derek. And so you heard from Bruce. Robin, take it away. Yeah, I, this question to be really exciting. I've heard of, there's a few pieces of art in particular that make me really imagine what that future would look like in my life. So I live out here in Halifax and I'm in the land of the Mi'kmaq Nation. So that's been a big part of my learning here of like learning how to live here as if I plan to stay. <laughs> And as if this community plans to stay here too, which is not, I think, an attitude that Western society has had for quite some time. But um, yeah, there's one one piece of art that makes me think about a really bright future is, I'm sure some of you have seen it. It's a video put together by The Intercept. 
it's called a letter from the future and it's like what it would be like what it would be like if we actually did this what our lives would look like and one thing that stood out to me from that there's they're talking about like it's as if someone's looking back 20 years in the future after COVID after after this moment looking back at, at how things changed and there was one thing that Bill almost makes me cry every time I see it. And it uh, says, at first we started gathering outside because we had to, because of COVID. Then we started doing it because we like it. And like, I don't know why, but that just gets me really hard <laughs> because it's it's just such a joyful idea of imagining that we can be together in a community, working together to get through all the challenges that are definitely coming our way. And we can do it in connection with the planet that we live on as if we're part of this planet, not something exterior to it. Cough, cough, Jeff Bezos. So that's one thing. And then another way that I sometimes try to imagine, I'll give credit to someone I know here in Halifax called Christine Saunier. She ran in the last federal election and had a really compelling campaign speech where she imagined what would a day of my life be like if we had a Green New Deal, if we really did it. And it was just like the motions of her regular life she wasn't trying to describe everything all at once, but she was saying, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be able to wake up at a reasonable hour and my house would be warm because it would be efficient and it would be insulated, which is something I can connect with very deeply living in a very damp town with mostly really old houses with crappy insulation. So the idea of waking up and being warm and not having to rush in the morning to get to work because I work reasonable hours, that to me is like an incredible part of the just transition being able to take public transit that's operated by people who make a decent wage and have good workplace safety and that those buses are electric. That's part of the Green New Deal for me. Being able to finish work at a reasonable hour so you have some free time for yourself to be part of your community, to go outside, to connect with your friends and family and to participate in the struggle that we're all gonna be part of for, for decades really. Having time for that and have that be something that can add to your life rather than be a drain that's part of the Green New Deal. That's part of this dress, dress transition for me, being able to have local food, good food to eat, and being able to afford that good food without worrying if you have to pay your rent or if you can buy groceries that month. Like that's all part of the Green New Deal in my mind. And it just, for me, that those kinds of imaginings of like what it would mean for my life today, tomorrow, next Tuesday, whatever, like a regular day, those are the things that really give me hope and motivation for continuing this difficult work. Amazing. Thank you so much. We are running out of time, but I want to make sure that anyone listening can follow all your different organizations and keep track of what, what you're all up to. So yeah, so if, if we can just go through the list again and let folks know how they can keep track of your organization and your work, that'd be great, uh, starting with you, uh, Andre. Yeah, so there are plenty of ways that you can engage with us. Our most consistent uh, method of communication is on Instagram at the School for Climate. You can also reach out to us at uh, schoolforclimate.com, partner with us on projects, work with us as an artist. Sponsorship has been really crucial to really bring these things to life and really helps build kind of solidarity with each message that goes out. So um, I know sponsorship, normally people just think, okay, it's about the money, but really what, what it communicates to folks when you've got a list of sponsorships and endorsements for each mural really helps convey that across. So that's a, a way to join in, join our mailing list and, and keep engaged. For each mural that we put up, we have an event series that will continue to take place. So join our mailing list, follow our Instagram, and yeah, that's how you can keep engaged. Thanks so much. If you wanted to follow along with Green Jobs Oshawa or learn more about us, you could check us out at greenjobsoshawa.ca. We also have a Facebook page and you can follow us on Twitter at Green Jobs Oshawa. Uh, you can follow along with the Delivering Community Power campaign by going on the website, deliveringcommunitypower.ca. 
uh, sign up to our mailing list. There's ways to engage the community through our website. Um, you know, we're promoting sharing it on social media, sign up for community events. Um, you can also visit us at cupw.ca where there's some more information on our union page as well. You can find Iron and Earth online at uh, ironandearth.org. That's A-N-D, Iron and Earth. Please take a look at our Prosperous Transition Plan. It's a four-point plan for uh, transformation of, of our economy. And, and please sign our petition. You know, it's very important that we, we hear everyone's voices. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn also and, and on Facebook. I also want to plug the, the well-being economic alliance that is we all.org it's just that important that as many people have have said here that the when we make the future we make it different we make it inclusive and we we make it for everyone and folks can find the council of canadians at canadians.org or on twitter at canadians.org or on facebook council of canadians and we would love to hear from you Amazing. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, this has been a, a wonderful chance to really expand and think about what a just transition can mean and, and dive into the ways that we're seeing it both in Oshawa and uh, across Canada. So greatly appreciate it. Folks, all those links that were mentioned here will also be included on our show post when it gets posted at oddgreenmajor.ca. So be, be there to check it out. And that, thank you all so much uh, and have a wonderful day. And so that just about does it for the show. Thank you, listeners, for, as always, for tuning in. And this is just a quick reminder that we are still in search for some new folks to join our team to help with our social media presence and helping us connect the show to the broader climate community across Canada. We are, of course, a volunteer-run show, but we are offering an honorarium for the position. If you're interested in learning more, please contact us through the website at greenmajority.ca. We're also always looking for new questions for our mailbag, and so if you've been thinking about something you want us to talk about or find an expert to talk about, or if you just want to hear our opinion on a topic, please don't hesitate to reach out as well. Thanks again, listeners, and have a great week. It's not easy being green. It's not easy.